episode 181 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log, with Garmin Pilot. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. You can get a free three-day trial of the Ground School app by visiting learnthefinerpoints.com. Hi, I'm Zach, and I work on the aviation OEM sales team at Garmin. Hi, I'm Michael. Uh, I'm a systems engineer at Garmin. Aviation Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and I am your host. Today's podcast episode is a fun one. A little bit over a year ago, I had Garmin on and we talked about their Autoland system. And then this year at Oshkosh, they came out and shocked the world with some more awesome technology with SmartGlide. Garmin comes on to talk about SmartGlide, how it's going to improve general aviation and just further their goal of enhancing safety and what it is is just crazy. And I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Uh, shout out to Garmin for, for letting me get this kind of exclusive. We recorded this before Oshkosh, before it was announced. And I'm excited excited to get this news out. Aviation Nation, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you do, please leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Instagram at Pilot the Pilot. Check out the best coffee in the game at Pilot's Coffee. And you can pick it up at pilotscoffee.com. Aviation Nation, I don't want to keep you any longer. SmartGlide's incredible. I hope you love this. So without any further ado, here's Garmin Aviation. Zach and Michael, what is going on? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Thanks, Justin. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, very thanks. happy for you guys to be here too. Uh, we have some exciting news. Uh, Oshkosh has just taken place. I uh, don't know exactly when this came out, but maybe a week or two weeks ago. And you guys have just come out with something that's pretty exciting and something I wish I had when I was flying a 206 in the mountains of West Virginia a couple of years ago. So I guess we'll just kind of go straight to it. What is Smart Glide and talk about just Smart Glide as a whole and uh, what it can do and what it brings to the table for general aviation? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question and obviously created a lot of buzz for us at Oshkosh. So at a super high level, SmartGlide is actually the newest member of Garmin's autonomy family of flight technologies. And that includes things like Garmin's Collier award-winning technology Autoland, um, which we announced last year and was certified uh, in 2020 as well. So uh, from a smart glide perspective, in the event of an engine failure, this feature allows you to quickly locate and plot a direct course to the most suitable airport uh, while avoiding terrain and obstacles along the way. So one important distinction and a question we got a lot at Oshkosh was, you know, how is this different from Autoland? Um, and so how I like to frame it to customers is that Smart Glide is not an autonomous landing system. It's still the pilot's responsibility to manage energy, disengage the autopilot if they're so equipped, and safely fly an approach to landing. It's really a system to get pilots to the most suitable airport should they experience an engine failure. Now, last time I had Garmin on to talk about the auto land, uh, it was very specific for the airplane that could use it. You know, you had to have all the fancy bells and whistles. You had to have the top of the line, everything pretty much to make it work and to use it. And it only came on certain planes. So it was SmartGlide. Is SmartGlide going to be available to kind of any Garmin equipped airplane? So whether it's all the way back to the 430-530 or does it need to be the newer generation Garmin? Kind of give a little bit of insight of what is needed to make this work. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about the technology is that thousands of aircraft that are already fielded only require a software update to make use of this technology. Um, but at a high level, it requires a GTN XI, which is the newest generation of the GTN 650 or 750 series uh, with software version 2020 or later. Um, in addition, it also requires a Garmin PFD or ADI. So at launch, we're supporting the TXI series um, and the GI275. And I think the important thing about that is that we, we utilize that um, Adahar's information to determine FMS calculated winds to help with that glide ratio calculation. And it also requires an outside air temperature probe, probe for uh, true airspeed. Um, and we are planning to support some other flight displays like the G5, the uh, super popular legacy G500, G600, and legacy G3X um, as follow-on efforts. So that, that's the simple answer. Um, to, to, <laughs> to further complicate it or to add a little bit more context, we're also adding this feature to the experimental market and only a G3X touch flight display with software version 8.9 is required. So you don't necessarily have to have a GTNXI in an experimental installation. All right, cool. So there are a couple options and uh, who knows what the future options will be too, what you guys are coming out with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, one question that I have coming to mind is kind of the... Um, the priority of how these came together. Obviously, in my mind, Autoland sounds like it's way more complex to create and make happen. It sounds like Smart Glide uh, would have been a little bit easier, and I may be completely wrong, and you can tell me this, would have been a little bit easier to, to program and to come up with. Was Smart Glide first and Autoland came, or did they kind of all come together at the same time? Yeah, so that's a good question. I may let Michael jump in, but I'll, I'll provide my answer. Uh, and then see what other distinctions Michael may want to make on the technical side. Uh, so Garmin kind of wanted to tackle the high-level problem first, and the most complicated one being the emergency auto land capability. So from there, we see a lot of derivative technologies, and one of those is Smart Glide. And so we thought if we could tackle the most complicated one that required a bunch of involvement with uh, air traffic control organizations, the FAA, all of that, it would be applicable down market into features like SmartGlide. Michael, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add from a, from an engineering perspective. Yeah, actually, I think I'd say, you know, I think you, you, you got it there. Um, and you mentioned earlier the difference between AutoLand and SmartGlide. And like you said, Justin, it does, you know, AutoLand's a pretty, pretty complex feature and it's, it's, um, got a lot of functions and it's it's so integrated, but it also gives us it gives you more control. It's an automated landing system, as we said. So, you know, the Garmin system has a lot more control of the aircraft. In that case, you got auto throttle, we got control of flaps and gear. Um, but with Smart Glide, and, and as you mentioned, we we're putting this uh, in, making this available to all the. GTNXI aircraft, you know, we don't have as much control of the aircraft. We have very little control. Um, so it, it, there are some parts of it that make it a bit more challenging because, um, you know, just, just because we don't have that control and we're, and we're trying to get as much information as we can to make uh, a really useful, helpful feature. So in a way, would you say Autoland, even though it's more complex and it requires more systems to kind of talk to each other, it was actually easier to kind of implement because you had so much control over all the systems? Uh, I don't know if I would say that. 
I think I think from a system level standpoint, there were certainly aspects that, that were easier because to your point, Justin, we have a little bit more end-to-end control. I think from a regulatory standpoint, there were a lot more hurdles that we had to get past to get that technology fielded. Gotcha. And kind of talk about the the regulated part. So obviously the FAA was involved in this for quite a bit and you had to get this passed off through them, correct? Michael, I may let you address that question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Could you say it one more time? I would say, was the FAA involved in, in getting this to regulations? Is this something that is kind of uh, overall seen by the FAA? Or is the FAA at the point where they're like, Garmin's making some great stuff, you know, we'll give you the, the ability to create this and implement this in, in your airplanes? But no, the, def, the FAA was, was certainly involved. Uh, we try to get them involved early and let them know what we're planning, what we're doing, and give them an opportunity to to jump in and, and see see it and witness it where they can. So they were certainly involved. How long would you say the the process of coming up with a, I'm guessing I can imagine some big board, boardroom meeting somewhere in Candace and be like, what do we want? And you're throwing darts. And you're like, we're going to make Smart Glide. How long from that meeting to actually the announcement at Oshkosh would you say it actually took for all this to come to fruition? Uh, yeah, so it's a great question. Smart Glide has been in development for a number of years, kind of as a derivative technology to our Autoland technology that we certified last year. Yeah, I can only imagine so. I mean, it, it's really cool to see how you guys are tackling technology coming out, whether it's a, in the crazy jet that I fly, the G5000, and all the crazy technology there is there coming down to Autoland and now Smart Glide, which can really help a lot of people in certain certain situations. I mean, specifically what I was talking about earlier, when I was uh, flying aerial survey and I had a 206 that lost its engine over the mountains of West Virginia, uh, something like Smart Glide would have been very beneficial. And when I say that, I, I really, really mean that. And obviously, it, it ended well for us. We didn't really have a scratch in the airplane. We're all healthy coming out. But there's that little reaction time that we've all seen in the movie Sully and we've all seen and heard about before where the kind of the shock that goes through you. And depending on your altitude, depending on your speed, depending on what's wrong, you only have a little bit of that reaction time that you can spare to being scared or being like, oh crap, this is happening before you need to get over it and actually get the job done and, and land the plane safely and make sure everyone comes out okay and the plane's okay. Um, Smart Glide can really help in that scenario. So I guess what I'm kind of getting at with this and that long-winded uh, statement was, let's talk about we're in the air, I'm in a 206, we're over the mountains of West Virginia and my engine fails. What is going on in the system first. And then we can kind of go on like through the pilot's eyes. But what does the system do as soon as it understands that something is wrong? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the most important distinction to make for that, Justin, is that this is a manually activated system where auto land can be automatically activated based on certain parameters. So the pilot is in full control the entire time. So we're not doing any engine indication sensing or anything like that. And the system's not guessing that you had an engine failure. Pilot's in full control. So once you realize that you have had an engine failure, you're going to actually press a dedicated uh, discrete switch on the panel. Or for a lot of retrofit installations that were previously installed, we also have the option of holding down the direct two key for three seconds. Um, and that will actually automatically enable Smart Glide. And so what happens at that point is that it will clear out any flight plan that you may have in, uh, in the system, and it's going to plot a direct course to the most suitable airport. And the most suitable airport, uh, you know, Michael's team has done a lot of work on, on how you prioritize what airport actually gets selected. 
And so Smart Glide actually prioritizes airports according to some specific characteristics and conditions. Um, it, kind of in order of priority, uh, number one is airport classification. So public and military airports are going to have priority. Uh, and then if we can't find any uh, in the area, then private airports, uh, if, those, if there are any within range, would be selected. Uh, kind of second in that hierarchy would be estimated remaining altitude upon arrival uh, above ground level, obviously. So we want to make sure that you have sufficient altitude to disengage the system and, you know, perform any energy management maneuvers that may be required and then land the aircraft. Um, number three is reported weather categories. So VFR, moderate VFR, IFR, uh, if there's any data weather link on board, um, then we can actually take that information and take the METAR data that the system is receiving and actually help inform decision-making of the system. And then last but certainly not least is runway length. Um, this It's also important to note that the system does take into account obstacles and terrain, uh, and it's going to select the runway um, that is within line of sight of the aircraft. So if there's uh, an airport or a runway that's on the other side of a mountain, uh, even if that may be the closest airport, we're not going to select that airport because we don't want to navigate you around any uh, any hazardous terrain or obstacles. Uh, so we're going to kind of give you the path of least resistance that that you can actually feasibly reach based on the glide ratio of the aircraft. So is the flight director going to pop up and give you best glide speed? Is it going to give you um, exactly the speed that you need in all those conditions? Or is it up to the pilot still to maintain best glide speed? I know the pilot's still flying with the flight director, but... The, um, with a flight director up there, but is it going to pitch you for it or is it going to set you up for the exact speed that you should be at? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the answer varies depending on how your aircraft is equipped. With a Garmin autopilot like a GFC 500 or a GFC 600, we're automatically going to engage the autopilot whenever Smart Glide is initiated and it will pitch for best glide and then start turning towards the most suitable airport based on those parameters that we just discussed. Uh, so that's a pretty powerful feature, right? When you think about like the the steps that are involved in a, an emergency situation, you know, you want to aviate, navigate, and then communicate. We're really helping guide the pilot through those different uh, steps and trying to help them make the most informed decision possible as quickly as possible. Does it pop up? This is just a question in my mind that from Windows, when I was going through this scenario, the minutes or the how long it's going to take you to touch down? Does it say like five minutes away or like four minutes away? Does it give you an idea of how long it is? Or does it simply just at the very uh, basic level, just give you the speed flight director? And if you have the autopilot, go ahead and uh, get you where you need to go. Yeah. So it'll give you distance and bearing to the specific airport. Michael, does it, does it actually give you the uh, estimated time of arrival or estimated time en route on the, the emergency page? We don't have a specific um, field for that bit of data. What we did is um, we really wanted to uh, declutter and give you, we don't want to overwhelm you with a ton of information. So what we focused on was giving you a field where we're going to show you kind of what you need to give, to let you get, uh, make some informed radio calls. Um, so we show you um, your distance and bearing to the airport or from the airport. So, you know, on, on, on 10 miles Northwest, and then we'll um, give you your, yeah, just what, what Zach said, your, your estimated, um, AG altitude upon arrival. Um, but the thing, well, the other big part of this, which is really useful, even if there's no, um, airport within range is that 
uh, gliderine drain that we show. And that graphical depiction uh, is is what I think is really powerful in that you can um, you could just you could see how far you're going to go uh, in, in in any direction. We'll take into account your bank and turn if you're going to you know turn 180 degrees behind you. Uh, and so one of the reasons we don't necessarily give you a time you know, how much time you've got <laughs> is we, we don't necessarily know which direction you're going to go, you know, are you going to head towards that mountain or out towards that open field where you can go a lot longer? <laughs> Absolutely. And I was just thinking specifically in, in our situation, just to, for after the event to be like, oh, well, we're only at, for, we're at 4,500 feet and it's only a minute and a half before you kind of run out of energy or you have to make a decision and not make a decision, but actually have to land. So I guess there's just like an after the fact type thing. But yeah, that it is definitely good to to give the only necessary information you got. Keep it as simple as possible, so a pilot can just look at the screen and know exactly what information they need to see. I'm 10 miles from here. Uh, kind of get a good situational awareness as I'll be a left downwind, or I'm just on final right now. So I I, I don't necessarily think that's needed at all. I was just wondering, <laughs> just based on uh, my own personal experience. Hey Justin, one one other or a couple other points I think I'd make on that is that. You know, I think to your point, if you're at a lower AGL altitude, like you mentioned, like 4,500 feet, the system's going to automatically alert you visually and orally if there's no uh, airport that you can feasibly make within that glide range ring that, that Michael mentioned. Uh, so it will actually provide that alert. So the pilots almost immediately, um, you know, it has the understanding that they're going to be making an off airport landing. So we do kind of help them shift their mindset into an off airport landing scenario if they can't reach an airport. And the great thing about that is it's also going to provide you like AGL callouts as you descend to kind of that way you keep your eyes outside, right? And we'll provide 2,000 foot callouts and 1,000 foot callout and 500 foot callouts. So, um, yeah. And then I think the the other thing that's super exciting about this feature, uh, to Michael's point, the glide rangering. So it's super dynamic, like he was talking about. But I think the other really valuable feature is that the uh, there's an alternate airport selection that's available within the Smart Glide feature. And any airports that are listed within the alternate airport section um, are within glide rangering. And as as we start to descend and those airports are no longer viable, uh, glidable options, we remove those. So anything you see in the alternate airport section can be reached, or we believe you can reach that um, in, in the current glide ratio that you're in. How does the glide ratio or the glide range actually be formed? Is it constantly changing based on pitch, airspeed, winds, or is it just based on altitude and kind of like historical trends based on this aircraft and what it can normally do? So this is this is something I'll probably let Michael supplement my answer a little bit on since he's he's the smart one here. Um, but, but how it's explained to me is that we kind of have pre-configured information in the system so that we can make an initial calculation on what is glidable for that specific aircraft and and, you know, the best glide speed that you have there. Um, but then we also dynamically update that as the glide is occurring so that we can modify that glide range ring and actually update you real time with with what airports are within glide range. Michael, I don't know if you have anything else that you want to add to that. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. You know, we've got out there today um, yeah, a glide range ring. And on the on GTN on TXI, uh, you can see that, and that is a it's a cyan ring when you're looking at the map, and it's it's based 
purely on your POH configured uh, best glide speed and, and glide ratio. Uh, and we take into account winds if we've got that information. And we draw that. And that's dynamic today. You can fly around and, and have that um, glide range ring depiction for reference. But like I said, that one is cyan. As soon as you press and activate Smart Glide, what's going to happen is that range ring will turn yellow. And that indicates that we're now measuring your actual glide ratio. Uh, so we're still taking into account winds, uh, your bank angle if you're turning, but will we start measuring it? And that's going it, to, it, it's filtered. It's going to take up to 30 seconds to really um, shift over from your configured POH value um, that ideally you can make to your real world. We're measuring your glide ratio Hey, we um, you should be able to make this um, distance, and so we are constantly updating that while Smart Glide is active, based on your actual measured glide ratio. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I've always wondered how the glide ratio works, and that's really fascinating. It's just crazy how technology is really kind of just changing the game, and I love to see it go further than just a fancy aircraft. This can be something that's put in your 182. This can be something that's put in your experimental. This is for the everyday pilot. This is for for, for everyone where auto land was necessarily for, like we said, the, the fancier or a little bit different style aircraft. And I think it's really cool that Garmin didn't forget about the little guys, the little girls out here flying for fun, the weekend warriors, the flight training students, just having this extra um, capability of safety and really just help them out in a situation. And I love the fact that if there are no airports available, it is physically telling you, all right, Hey, quit looking for the perfect field. You got to find something to put it down. Like you got to pick something and it gives you the out. You can keep your eyes outdoors. So all you really need to do is just fly the airplane and it'll give you altitude call outs and everything. So I think that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Justin, with, with one reason why we're so excited about this feature is that, you know, right now, uh, Autoland is certified on three aircraft types. And with this one, we're opening up kind of autonomous technologies to the hundreds of aircraft that are listed on our AMLSTCs. So it's broadly applicable. We're bringing it to a bunch of different types of aircraft and we're super excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly excited about it too. And I can't wait to see the implementation of it. I can't wait to see what schools do, what flight schools do, just what other just operators do and how it can help save lives and just really help because it is something that it's a terrifying situation. You wish that no one would be in it and have any kind of help in any way, it's amazing. And I, I do, everyone shouldn't to navigate first. Don't rely on anything, right? I'm sure you guys will be the first ones to preach that, but navigate and uh, just make sure you, and, and listen and, and land safely. So I, it's really cool to have um, all this stuff to be at your disposal to help. Absolutely. You've worked hard flying the line to get where you are today. From your early years flying in the military, to building flight time any way possible, to career in commercial aviation with its ups and downs. And now, retirement, the biggest investment you'll ever make. At RAA, helping pilots achieve their financial dream is what they do. They're singularly focused on making sure all your hard work, dedications, and time spent away from your family and friends pays off. So meet with a financial advisor specializing in your airline for a free consultation at raa.com backslash pilot to pilot. That's pilot to pilot. Coming in the actual testing phase, how does testing something like this work? Uh, would you just go up uh, at an altitude in a 172 and pull the power back and hold down direct three seconds? Do you guys go through, go through a bunch of scenarios? Can you guys touch at all about testing this and uh, certifying it? 
Yeah, we we did a lot of testing. <laughs> we've been testing for a while, and we uh, um, we've got a few different planes planes we'll use up here in Salem where we did a lot of it. You know, we'll go out. We're gonna go. We go and try to find find where the wind is. Um, go out and uh, yeah, all different scenarios. Um, we we'll go see how we're picking the airports and and uh and that's exactly what we'll do we'll get up to an altitude we'll pull power back and get to that simulated simulated engine out conditions that configuration that'll that should get you to that best glide speed and and we'll ride it all the way down we'll do some circles we're going to land um and and we also go out and we we flight test the scenarios where we don't have airports uh and i you know i i remember one flight specifically it was really it was pretty exciting to see how helpful something like that is just when there's no airports where you can see you're not staring at the map but you can look at the map see the glide ranging and this really quickly cross-reference it with um landmarks outside you know rivers roads um meanwhile you're, we're hand flying it um uh, and it's 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 really cool really powerful and we uh yeah we certainly got got a lot of actual flight testing in. I bet. Uh, is What's the future look like for Smart Glide, for Autoland? Uh, right now, obviously, uh, we talked about the equipment necessary, but is there a way where in the future the plane's going to be like, recommend like, hey, based on these parameters or you've been losing altitude or have you lost an engine failure, maybe suggest it? Is there uh, multiple implementations coming on this? It might be top secret. You don't have to re- release all your secrets right now, but I was just kind of wondering like now, how technology is changing everything and it's everything's changing so fast. You just never know what's going to be available in the next five or 10 years. Yeah, that's, that's a really great question, Justin. And I think that that really works well into Garmin's overall autonomy portfolio. So we have a lot of different technologies that, that currently make that up today from electronic stability protection to auto land to smart rudder bias, which can help in the event of an engine failure in a twin um, now to smart glide. And I think that we, we see a future where aircraft, uh, everywhere equipped with these kind of, uh, really situational awareness, enhancing tools and safety enhancing technologies. Um, I, I don't think we can share too much about, <laughs> about where we're going with all of those. Um, but Garmin wants to see as many aircraft equipped with these technologies as possible. I love it. And I mean, that's just as great as an answer as you telling everything you're going to do because it's, it's exciting knowing that there are there's people behind the scenes working to improve the overall aviation experience, whether it's safety, whether it's fun, whether it's uh, the aircraft itself or the avionics. It's just really cool to see how things can change and see how basically what I've been saying for the last 25 minutes is just see what technology can do. And not only how technology can take over the aviation industry, but how it can supplement a pilot to fly an airplane where it's not just a, an autopilot, where it's not just taking over to land the airplane where some people are afraid of AI. This is an actual supplementation to help the pilot fly the plane, which I think is really important and really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And that gets to the heart of what we want to try and do is try and help pilots and they're flying. And, you know, just at a high level, we're, we're all pilots here internally and we like to fly all this stuff too. And so we just develop the things that we get excited about. Yeah which is the best part of, of your job, right? Get to work on what makes you excited and how you can can solve a need in the aviation world. Exactly, exactly. What was the, the biggest hurdle in all this? I'm, I'm guessing there were a ton of hurdles and just like multiple nights you're like, well, can't do it. No idea how this is going to work. 
But overall, if there is one, or if you can even touch on a couple, but what would you say was, were necessarily the biggest hurdles in getting this all to, to be a thing and be announced at Oshkosh? Michael, I may let you take yeah. that. <laughs> I'd say uh, when it comes to designing a feature like this, you know, there's no single safe assumption to make um, for every pilot out there. Uh, the, you know, yeah, there are ACS standards. There are, um, we all go through training and there's some common things that we we're all trained to do, uh, especially in, in engine out scenarios like this. But, you know, every, every aircraft, and every pilot yeah, is different. But I think what's really important is the combination of the two. So we can't assume that, you know, every 172 out there is going to be flown exactly the same way in the same situation. Um, so, it, when you when it comes to determining <laughs> what what data are we going to display on there, H- how are we going to make this super useful, really helpful information being shown without being overwhelming to the pilot, <laughs> and and every pilot's going to you know want a little bit different information um, just based on their comfort level or what they how they've practiced. Um, so I'd say just. W- you know, we have so much experience here uh, at Garmin. Uh, as Zach said, you know, we, we have so many pilots. We have flight test pilots, of course, doing an amazing job. But <laughs> I'm a really low time pilot, and I haven't really been active in a couple of years. But in a sense, it's I'm the one who's probably going to benefit the most from a feature like this. <laughs> um, so it's 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 cool to get everybody's input. So I mean, that's probably the the biggest challenge is. Um, getting everyone's input, but it's also probably the biggest reward is, is just, is, is that collaboration. Yeah. And you're kind of bringing this up. There's a big difference between knowing it's going to happen and not knowing it's going to happen. So in your flight test, you know, you're going to pull, you're going to pull back on the throttle and you're going to activate smart glide. But when it actually happens, you know, counting, it's very simple. All you have to do is just hold down that button but it, it's the, the mental process. It's, it's thinking it and then actually doing it and how quick you do that uh, is going to s- either save your life or at the end of the day, it could make it a little bit hard on you. But it's so great that this is out there, that this is an, a, is an a capability to work. All right, guys. So that is pretty much, I mean, this is all blew my mind. Uh, it is all crazy and we're living in the the crazy century and technology is taking over aviation. And it's really cool. Uh, it's just really a couple more questions and it kind of comes to smart glide specific. So we talked about the process of what's going on. Uh, we didn't really touch on the pilot with radio communications and the pilot. I guess we did a little bit, but the pilot, the transponder, I'm guessing they have to squawk their own squawk. And then at the end, does it put you on a visual approach? On the G5000, it can build a visual approach and flies it down. Or is it up to the pilot itself to actually maneuver and, and get down and land? Yeah, for sure. So Whenever you're entering the terminal environment, Justin, it'll actually navigate you directly to the center of the airport of intended landing. And about two nautical miles from from that point, it's actually going to give you an advisory that it's time for you to maneuver and land the aircraft. So it's the pilot's responsibilities to still maneuver and land the aircraft. It's not going to actually load that visual approach feature like you talked about on the G5000. Um, But it will help you with the communication aspect of the aviate, navigate, communicate sequence. It'll give you the option to squawk 7700. Um, it'll load the CTAF and tower frequency and the standby uh, comm. And so all you have to do is hit the flip-flop key uh, to, sh- to push that into the active whenever it's time to communicate. 
Uh, and then it'll also help you with that distance and bearing field that we talked about earlier, help, help you make informed radio calls, right? So it's going to tell you that you're, you know, 10 nautical miles northwest of a specific airport. And so it just gives you a little bit, um, just a quick reference to make those informed radio calls. Yeah. And it just goes to show too, how this can kind of be used as a supplement for training. Not saying that you should go use this all the time. And I'm guessing you guys don't necessarily encourage this to happen. But if someone has this capability on their aircraft and you have, they've proven that they can successfully land with a a simulated engine out, maybe it's a a good idea or maybe it's an idea to see how it all works and to see how holding this button down. But it also brings me to another point of canceling this out. How would someone go about, like say, you know, people are in airplanes, they play pranks and they'd hold down the direct button for three seconds. Can you just hit another button and clear it all out or does it stay and you have to <laughs> to delete the flight plan and put another flight plan in? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So whenever you cancel SmartBide, you can actually just hit on the emergency page, there's a cancel glide soft key. And so whenever you select that, it's actually going to take everything away um, we I, we still stay in, in roll mode, so the wings stay level and all of that. Um, but we will actually reload your previous flight plan. So if it was an inadvertent activation, or if you wanted to, to your point, supplement your your emergency training, try out the feature. Whenever you deactivate that feature, your old flight plan comes right back. It's crazy. Uh, I love it. It's just really cool. And I'm very thankful that there are companies out there that are just innovating and making, it's kind of like we said, Autoland is for a little bit more advanced aircraft, but you haven't forgotten about the people who make up general aviation, who really, really love aviation. Not to say the fancy aircraft people don't love aviation too, but just the people that go up for a weekend flight in their 172, flight clubs, everyone involved. And to, to make it more available to where you don't want to buy a plane with auto throttles or auto braking or anything like that is just really cool. And is there any last comments you want to make on maybe even just like uh, talking about auto land or smart glide together, or um, do you have anything else to, to add? No. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think comparing and contrasting the two is super interesting because if I think about Autoland as a feature, Autoland was really intended as a passenger-focused feature. And SmartGlide, if you think about it, is really a pilot-focused feature. So with Autoland, we're assuming you still have a good airplane, um, but something has happened to the pilot. He may be incapacitated, uh, something to that effect. SmartGlide is actually assuming something more catastrophic has happened to the airplane, but the pilot is, is still in good condition. Uh, so I think that's probably the thing that sticks out the most when I think about those two features. Um, but I, th- I think we're super excited about having both of those under our autonomy umbrella. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael, Zach, you guys have done a great job explaining this. And I just want to say thank you to all the Garmin team for for putting in all this hard work. I'm guessing it's not just you two that did this together. So thank you to everyone on the Garmin team for implementing this. And I look forward to, to seeing this come into more general aviation aircraft and and to, to see this help save people and to help out in, on a pilot's worst day. So thank you so much for, for all your work and putting this together. Uh, this is just another crazy cool thing that, that Garmin is doing. And uh, looking forward to, to talking more about you guys in the future and getting you guys back on in the next five years, talk about other crazy things you guys uh, have come up with. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Justin, and happy to do it. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Anytime. 
And that is a wrap on episode 181. Aviation, thank you for listening. Last week was Oshkosh. It was crazy. If you weren't there or if you haven't been there yet, you need to go make it a priority for next year. I want to see you at Oshkosh. Shout out to the sponsors, RAA, Garmin, Learn the Finer Points, and AOPA. It is amazing to be sponsored by y'all. And I'm so thankful. The meetups are amazing. And I just had a lot of fun. So Aviation, I hope you guys are having a great day. And as always, happy flying.